I'll do better next week. I promise I'll do better next week. How about that? There's a bold prediction. <laughs> hey Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State Athletics. We're two dudes named Brian from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. The Cats show new grit and perseverance in a big comeback victory. We now prepare for Cal Poly's triple option attack. How are you doing tonight, Thorny? Foley, I'm doing great. It's a Bobcat victory Monday. Those are the best Mondays to possibly have. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Um, I'm I'm doing good over here. I heard a stat that we have won nine out of the last 11 games. That's kind of shocking to me coming to think of it, but that that's a good feeling to know that. No, all of a sudden uh, things are clicking. For Jeff Jote and company. <laughs> we still got some questions, though, don't we? Oh, my goodness, do we ever. <laughs> Before we get in those, let's get a little show outline for you. I said that right, Thorny. How about you that? You did. Yes. It's not a recap yet. It's yeah. an outline. <laughs> yeah, you guys won't know this, but he wants to say recap every time there. <laughs> Before we start, it's an outline. Afterwards, we can recap it. Okay. We're going to talk some, uh, well, we're going to talk about the beers. First and foremost, we're going to go into our news. We're going to go into some game recap, uh, game preview, and then we're going to end it with some special segments uh, and recap how we made our bold predictions and do a little buy or sell. Sounds great. All right, let's start with what beer we are drinking tonight. What do you got there, Thorny? I have the Samuel Adams Oktoberfest, rich and balanced traditional Martzen, I don't even know how to say that. I shouldn't have tried. But yeah, just a Oktoberfest lager. It's pretty good. I like Oktoberfest, nice and malty. Bready? Does it taste like you're drinking a loaf of bread? A delicious German bread. <laughs> always, whatever, whatever that means. <laughs> I just always found that so off-putting when I would see that description of beer, bready. <laughs> and like I was literally sitting by somebody last week and they're brewing Oktoberfest over at Perry Street, and he goes, man, it feels like I'm drinking a loaf of bread. And I was like, I was thinking in my mind, I was like, I don't even know how to take that. <laughs> like, and you seem really happy. So I was like, okay, good for you. You do you. Bread's delicious and beer's delicious, so what's not to like there? Yeah, good point. We right. always used to call uh, Stroh's. Do you remember Stroh's? Do you ever had Stroh's? Only at your frat. <laughs> yeah, that's where we had it. We used to call it pork chop in a can. So <laughs> I guess pork chop's better than bread if you're drinking a dinner. <laughs> All right. What are you drinking then, Mr. Elegance? Oh, uh, well, I had a beer planned and my father-in-law drank it uh, yesterday. <laughs> he stole it out of my fridge. And so what's sitting in my golden koozie is a Miller Lite right now. And I do have a hazy little thing. IPA on tap after this. I've talked about it before from Sierra Nevada. It's a really good little thing. My wife likes it, so I took it out of the fridge too. But my my father-in-law took the beer I really wanted to drink tonight, but uh, I'll save that one for next week. How about that? So you're not drinking it next on the show or just next time? I don't know. Next show. We'll see when I have it. I'll save it without introducing it tonight. Okay. Well, you're supposed to drink the good beer first and the crappy domestic one second don't you know anything about drinking beer <laughs> i could do whatever i want thorny i'm a grown they all man start to taste the same after four or five anyway <laughs> it's true i haven't had that many <laughs> <laughs> good all right let's get into some news thorny how about that sounds good so start off with the rankings which the bobcats have been in for a while not always the case last year uh <laughs> When we started the podcast, I don't think the Bobcats were ranked at any point for a while until the later part of the season, right? I think you're right. But yeah, anyway, we've been pretty much ranked all year. I think we have been ranked all year, and we're mm -hmm. up to number six in the country due to a couple of losses in front of us. UC Davis lost, Northern Iowa lost, so we climbed a couple spots. What do you think? Kind of feels a little bit like fool's gold to me. It's like... It's like who we played so far. We'll kind of get into that a little bit later on a golden koozie question. But 
I just don't know if we're so deserved that number six ranking. If I really had to like give me my gut instinct on this right now, I would say we're probably around 14 or. I could see that, but something I just thought of while you were saying that, talking about our strength of our opponents, our lowest margin of victory has been what nine points against Western Illinois on the road. That's a good point. We haven't lost any game by less than one score or by one score or closer. You know what I'm saying? Like we it's always been two scores or more. Yeah. So we're playing some weaker competition, but we're doing what we're supposed to do. That's so, true. That's true. But we'll get into that later, like you said. Okay. How'd you vote in the Big Sky uh podcast ranking this uh week? I have I put Weber number one, the Grizz bleh, number two. Bobcats, then I had Eastern in there, and then I had Sacramento State. It got real confusing after number three, honestly. I'm like, who's number four and who's number five? Kind of a no one's done anything yet, and everyone's done something bad so far, pretty much beyond Weber, the Grizz, and and the Cats. Everyone else has like a bad loss on their resume, except for Sac, but they haven't really played anyone. So those are my top five. What did you have? Well, first, I'm really surprised that you put Eastern up there. They have looked lackluster to me. Wow, that's. I think you really missed on that one, Courtney. I got to call you out on that. Well, who do you have at number four? So number one, I have the Grizz. Number two, Weaver. Three, MSU. Number four, UC Davis. And number five, NAU. Wow. So a team that beats a ranked team at home, Eastern, is not your top five, but a team that got steamrolled at home by a team that was like 19th overall. They're still top four, huh? Yeah, I'm going to give UC Davis the <laughs> the benefit of the doubt until they prove me wrong. They might. I mean, they might go on and lose a couple games, and then that uh, Grizz victory over them might not look as as sexy as it does today. But uh, I'm still going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think Jake Bear and is just too good. So we'll see what happens with them down the road. I mean, I'm not going to argue. I'm just saying I'm, that's why I have Eastern in there because I thought, you know, they went at home against a ranked team, so they deserve to be top five. Who did they beat at home? North Dakota, who is about as ranked as as can possibly be. They're, I think they're 25th in like the coaches poll. Okay. <laughs> so, so I think it counts. Yeah, I did get to see a little bit of that game living over here in Spokane. It was on SWX. They just don't look like they have. I'm telling you, man, Eastern just looks like a shell of themselves right now. And Berrier, the hype he had last year, unless he starts pouring it on, he just doesn't look like anything like he had last year. I don't know if this is a switch is just off in him this year. But man, he's missing passes. He just doesn't have that spark that he clearly had towards the end of the season last year. If it, confidence is a thing, he's just not showing it right. Well, one of those Eastern's quarterbacks is due for a sophomore slump sometime in their career, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Come on now. <laughs> All right, enough about the rest of the big sky. Um, the other news we have, I guess, injury-wise, we always talk about, I think the only new one we had was Coy Steele. I think he's the only injury from the game, aside from, I guess, Troy Anderson, like, continuing to injure himself or get injured. Gosh, yeah, that's really frustrating, right? Yeah, it's annoying. Um, we'll get to that, too. But Coy, yeah, basically was the meat between the sandwich <laughs> on that pass play. One of the few balls that... Tucker Rovig just really zipped in there. It was an awesome throw. Coy, I think, literally stood up because out of necessity, he had two defenders sandwich him at the same exact time, found himself just standing there going, oh, crap, both defenders fall to the side. He just rushes to the end zone, drops the ball, and basically kneels down, and then then he just essentially goes, okay, guys, I got to lay down. So (laughs) he just lays down, and we don't see him thereafter. I have no clue what's going on with them. You would thought they would just got like the wind knocked out of him, but I think it's a little something more serious yeah. than that. I was hoping it was just the wind, like you said, but I think I think you're right. I think it is more serious. He never came back in, and yeah, that's probably not good. He's probably gonna be out for a few weeks, I imagine. If I had to guess, I would be. I would think it would be something with his ribs because the way he sprinted to the end zone, it didn't look like anything with legs. But yeah, this is a total guess, though. Well, as usual, Jeff Choate did not talk about. Any injuries in depth during the press conference? Uh, what else caught your interest? This one didn't excite me as much as last week's. Uh, he didn't really say too much to me that didn't make like me go, oh, that was interesting. One thing he did say was 
he talked about 95 last week. It was the same guy I previewed for NAU, Jalen Goss, I believe. And he eventually, I think he was kicked off the team or did he walk off the team or something? No, he was, it was some weird thing. Yeah. And um, somebody brought him up in the presser and said, what do you think about that? And then Choate was saying, he goes, you know, 95, if you would have showed up, wouldn't have made a difference. And it was just like, <laughs> Choate's very respectful. And that's one of the things that I was like, it kind of just caught me a little bit because he was just basically saying, you know, no matter who came in there, we were just going to impose our will. And I just thought that was pretty cool because you should have some confidence in the run game. So that's the only thing that really stuck out to me. Yep. I mean, yep. Same here. Uh, really nothing too pressing to talk about the press conference. I say we move on to the game recap. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the stats as we typically do. The Bobcats were lackluster in the first half, but really poured it on the second half, ending up with 25 first downs to NAU's 22. Uh, the Cats ended up rushing for 340 yards, and I think 240-some or whatever was after halftime. The Lumberjacks did get 164, which is a little surprising considering that they hadn't really had, I don't think, 100 yards against a, uh, a Division One opponent yet all year, so that was a little concerning, but I'm sure that's part of their game plan and part of the weather as well. Uh, the Cats only threw for 103 yards. Tucker Oak only threw for 103, and, like, what, 40-some of it was to Coy Steele, and I think 30 more of it was right before halftime where they had, like, the Hail Mary hook and ladder type thing. I think you got, like, 30 yards on that completion, so, like, 70, 80 yards of it on those two throws. <laughs> not, yeah. Not a, not a great day for Tucker Rovig. We'll get into that as well. We ended up did outgain Northern Arizona, 443 to 437 total yards. Uh, some of the key stats that I really stood out to me is NAU was just 2 of 16 on third downs. So let me, I want to tell you a stat here that has really jumped out to me. The Cats are now 16th in the country and third down defense. And in our four FCS games, opponents are just 24.59% on third down. That's improvement me, uh, from last year. Yeah, well, let me compare and contrast to last year where we finished 98th in the country where teams were getting almost 42% conversion rates on us. Whew. That's a stark improvement. Like, that's worth noting and calling out here. That's why, that's why I'm saying it because that's like three straight opponents that have been like two for 16 or three for 15 or something. Nice. You did go for that. Get to go for that second beer. Yep, let's go. Let's see. Time of possession for the Bobcats, 34 minutes and 23 seconds. Northern Arizona, 25-37, which makes sense considering that we just were running the ball. But not a whole lot of, like, huge breakaway plays like we're used to. Just gashing them for 10 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards. Nothing too crazy. The Cats scored on all six of their red zone trips. And interesting stat. There was no sacks in this game for anybody. Yeah, gosh, I thought that was really weird. All right, here's some other stats that were really interesting. We held Cookus to 100.5 quarterback rating, only 273 yards on 50 attempts, 52 completion percentage, one touchdown to one interception. His lowest output for yards, touchdowns, completion percentage, and quarterback rating, quarterback rating of the whole season. If you had told me we would have done that without even sacking him, I'd have been, I'd call you crazy. <laughs> You took my stat, Thorny. I thought I was going to sound all good with that cookie stat. You come in there and you surf yeah. it from me. <laughs> no, like you, it's easy to sit there and like, oh yeah, he did. He got his yards and stuff. But in reality, we did better against the NAU passing attack than any team has done all year, including Arizona. You know, our pass defense looks so much better. There were so many coverage sacks that I would call them on Case Cookies, like when we made him scrab scramble. And he was just going to the sideline, and he had no place to, you know, we might not have put him to the ground with the ball in his hand, but we had some really good coverage on the back end, and I know that was a big concern from last week. So there's some big improvement there. Well, it's interesting we went with a three-safety look, bringing JoJo Henderson into the game. That's pretty interesting defensive strategy. Yeah, and then uh, so Conkle becomes this, like, hybrid linebacker slash rover is that what he's doing right now i guess yeah it's like a a linebacker nickel that's cool i like that i did too like there's one guy suited for that because he's played both positions he's kind of a sized appropriately for kind of anything so yeah i liked it quite a bit for a team that's throwing the ball and for a team that's been struggling to defend the pass a little bit like we have 
It's a great move. Yeah, and he's big enough to come into the box and be physical up there. And then Cho was talking about that in his pressure a little bit. He was talking about how when we played nickel, sometimes we put Lavelle Price back there. And he does good with the coverage, but he's more of a liability with the running game because he's only 170 pounds. And so he's talking about how Conkle is playing that that role, so to say. And just his physicality and size alone just makes him a better fit for some of the schemes we're trying to run. Yep, I agree with that too. Like, yeah, it's just a good strategy. I thought our linebackers as a whole played a little bit better too in zone coverage, but there was there's still some plays where I think Northern Arizona um, Cookus had some catchable balls that they weren't great throws, and maybe credit just a little bit of the defense to that, but they weren't great throws, but there there were catchable ones that the receivers just dropped. So that definitely uh, did help the Bobcats a little bit with some of the drops that I think the Lumberjack receivers had. You know, for sure, one of them was on the last drive of the game. They were they hit a fade at the very end with like one minute left, and it went right through his hands in the end zone, and so that saved us seven points. I think we also got saved seven points. The game was already out of hand, but the very last play of the game for Northern Arizona, the receiver caught it with like one or two yards to go, and then he like curled backwards for no reason, and I'm getting tackled for like three yards behind the first <laughs> down stick. I don't know what he was doing there, but. We were helped out a couple ways, but at the same time, that touchdown they had right before halftime was because of an insane, ridiculous catch down the sideline where the NAU receiver like went up and got it with uh, Tyrell Thomas right in his face, like his hand right in his bread basket. He caught it, came down, and got, I think he was hammered by Jockway Allen, and he held on to the ball. And they were able to extend the drive and go down and score a touchdown. So they had a few drops, but they also had a few receptions they had no business making at the same time yeah but you know 273 passing yards for cookies is well underneath his average like you said we held him to the lowest output of the season and his lowest quarterback rating of the season i'm pretty happy with that what did you think that uh caused or allowed northern arizona to have some success running the ball I think it was our uh, defensive packages we were running. I think we were more concerned with uh, the pass play getting gashed down the middle. We had some soft zone going into this matchup, and I uh, know that was a clear emphasis for us, but I think we were just dropping too many guys into pass coverage, and so we were relying on our front four to to get home and to play good defense up front. Well, I just don't think we were focusing on the run. Do you think it was kind of a plan just to kind of let them have it a little bit, like not worry about it too much. If they get some yards, they get some yards, but it's better than a 50-yard Cookus touchdown pass. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. I can see that. I, I mean, it, it was a little concerning to me because we just been so good against the run that I didn't even think we'd have to commit extra guys to it, even if we were playing the pass. I still thought the front four or five guys could handle it, but they they had some they got some running going, and I was, wasn't real happy to see that. They gone to the second level and some more of that kind of poor tackling we've been spotty at at times this year so a little concerning but overall not terrible considering the opponent well let's talk about the major concerning thing is going down in the first half zero to 21 i mean what is up with that choke teams can't start fast like i don't understand what's going on like it's a it's consistent at this point it's a problem, and we're lucky that our strategy allows us to come back from that because I don't think any other predominantly rushing team in the country is going to come back from a 21-point deficit at home in the second quarter, even down 31 to 14, probably through the third quarter, by just continuing to run the ball. Like, that's an anomaly, and I don't think we can rely on that strategy moving forward to sit there and let teams get out ahead and just pound the ball and then score 35 points in the second half. I don't think we can do that every week. So the slow starts are very concerning to me. You wonder if it's like a mindset kind of thing. Like it just continue to happen. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy right now. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, this is happening. It's like almost like they just had some sort of self-awareness. And and now everybody's looking at this, including Joe in his pressure. And just making it going like, wow, this is something we really need to focus on. Because it does seem to me, like when I watch these games, that the urgency in the first half, I don't see it. It's almost like they're waiting for some big play to happen, for the crowd to get 
back into into it or something. But it's, it's almost just, like they're waiting for a Troy Anderson touchdown run. Yeah, or something. it's it's really odd. <laughs> they're not bringing it in the first half. Whatever it is, they just haven't brought it in. And I believe, like, we're going into this stretch right now in the Big Sky Conference where, I mean, if you look at our schedule ahead, there should be some manageable games for us. And I want to put the cart before the horse. I mean, it is what it is, right? But, like, when we get into the playoffs, you know, when we get to these teams like like North Dakota State, South Dakota State, we can't really do that. We can't afford to go down spot teams 14, 20 points, 17 points, and expect us to come back. It's really odd. No, not not every team we play is going to be bludgeoned to death and give up in the fourth quarter. Like, that's not realistic to assume that that's going to work every time. Like, for example, we have Sacramento State coming up, and I think they have a pretty solid defense. If we're down 21-0 to zero against Sac State, that's a harder deficit to make up, in my opinion, because they look pretty solid on defense. So like, we just can't keep doing this. And, like, NAU just came out fired up. They looked fired up. But it's a lot harder to play the role of the – you ex- are expected to win the top 10 ranked team than it is the upstart upset team. I think that's something that we're kind of struggling with culturally to, to kind of get a grasp of not being the underdog because we're, we're <laughs> Choate loves being the underdog, but we're not anymore, Choate, and we got to stop acting like it. Yeah, like what does it feel like to be the guy now, and how do you prove your dominance all game? You know, um, I want to give a little bit of light to a stat that Tom Stuber put out on Twitter. Just looking at second half, what MSU has done against FCS team. So this this um, year alone, we scored 28 points against SEMO. SEMO, zero. Western Illinois, we scored 16 points in the second half against them. They had seven. Uh, Norfolk State, we had 28 points in the second half. They had seven. And NAU, we had 35 points in the second half. They had three. So we're bringing it second half, no doubt. And I don't think it's even because of many adjustments we're bringing. I think it's a mindset, and I think it's the coaches going to that locker room. And like Lewis Kidd was saying in the, after the game, he said the coaches are just empowering us in the locker room, saying, hey, this is who we are. We, you know, we're going to lay the body blows as they keep calling them, and we're going to go out there and we're going to do our thing. And these guys just believe it at this point, and that, that's a good thing. But the big concern is that we're talking about is, well, what's happening in the first half? Yeah, I mean, the the style of physical running game we play is going to lead itself to second better halves, right? Like, offensively, maybe we're not going to score more than two touchdowns in the first half ever this entire season, which isn't a problem unless you're giving up three or four touchdowns in the first half every single. Offensively, like, that's just kind of what it's going to be, right? That's just how the Bobcats are going to operate. We're going to beat teams down until they just can't take it. They don't even want anything to do with tackling us anymore. But why can't we get a little more production out of the offense? But specifically, why can't we get better production out of the defense? Is it because the offense is struggling so bad that the defense is on the field a lot in the first quarter? For sure. I think that has something to do with it. You brought up the point that I hadn't really thought about, and that is just how our style of offense just wears on people throughout the game, and that's just what's really opening up the floodgates. Of course, I thought about that, but I didn't think about that as a detriment to the first half as far it's like maybe they're just more prepared to take it in the first half and like Chote has said you know anybody can hang with us for a while but can they hang with us the entire game or maybe they're just hanging with us for a while we don't have the prolific quarterback play right now that we can rely on and get some maybe some quick scores in the first half and if you look at our scores in the second half it's just running the ball we're really just bludgeoning people, <laughs> you know, and we're just, we're, we're just, we're taking their souls in the second half. You can't say that in the first half because they're just not ready to be taken at that point. So we need the quarterback play to step up really in order to make that happen. You're right. That's, that's a really good point. Like the quarterback play would carry us through a little bit, the dry spells in the beginning. We're not going to ask a lot out of them because honestly, throwing the ball 20 times in the first half is going to take away from that goal of bludgeoning a team to death. So they're, dead in the fourth quarter and if you throw in the ball you're, you're not hitting those body blows but we have to be able to move the sticks once in a while we don't need a whole lot better quarterback play we just need a quarterback who can make those easy six yard hook throws like we're just having a hard time completing some basic throws there so let's stick stick at the quarterback real quick 
Do you think Rovig comes back out next week? I believe he does. Yeah. I hadn't even considered him not coming back out next week. I think they're sticking with Rovig at this point. Do you think we're better at the quarterback position than we were game one against Texas Tech? Do you think we've made any improvements whatsoever? Yeah, I do. And I think for the person who might not really think about it, they could be like, no, it's just like, you know, even Stevens kind of deal. But I think Rovig has more game experience now. And experience is something you can't take away. And with that alone, I think, yes, we are further along. I agree. I think this is going to be the real key pivotal game. Okay, yeah, he had the great game, another great game against a real subpar opponent. Had a pretty uh, underwhelming game, we'll say, against decent middle-of-the-road Big Sky opponent. Okay, so this will be his third straight start. Can he make that leap from games two to three against Cal Poly? If he comes out and plays like he did, or worse, I think the Bobcats are in trouble for the long haul, but I don't know if it matters so much until we get to UC Davis. We'll just beat everyone just doing what we're doing, just making like 10, completing 8 to 10 passes a game and running the ball and just pounding teams until they just give up. We might be able to just keep doing this, but it's not a national championship recipe. Throwing started going bad, what did we do? We put Travis Johnson back there and ran um, the option, right? And we just we just ran that over and over and over again until they, they couldn't take it anymore. And so I think that's kind of like what we're going to do. We're going to look at how's Rovig doing so far. And my estimation is if he is doing well, we're going to continue to run the offense through Rovig. But when his confidence goes down, they're just going to take that option away from him, and then we're going to run our five-quarterback system. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad way to go either. But again, that's still not a recipe for long-term success. But yes, short-term, I think it will absolutely work. If Rovig's on, keep riding him. But if he's, like you say, he's kind of a confidence, he's kind of a rhythm guy. And then after that happens, then yeah, go back to what we do best and just start punching people in the stomach until they <laughs> fall on the ground in pain. <laughs> yeah. Get them into a brawl, like Choate says. <laughs> Montana State is that team that's like a fist fighting type of team. Like we're just the bullies, and I don't think people really want to mess with us all that. No, that's absolutely correct. And I think they go toe to toe for a while, and they realize we're just going to keep coming. Okay. A couple quick things here before we move on from the game. I feel like we do this segment. We just kind of talk generalities the whole time. But I do want to shout out to Travis Johnson and Jockway Allen and Jared Padmos for having really stellar games. Johnson really took the role of kind of Troy Anderson coming in, making those runs. I was waiting for him to break one. It just never quite did, but it looked like he was capable at any time. He had a great game. Chuck Whalen had a great game. That targeting call is unfortunate. Probably the correct call. I'm not going to get into that too much, but it's if there's one game for him to be suspended for a half or Cal Paul is about as good as it's going to be because they will get into that as well. But and Padmos had a couple of shanks, but he really also kind of came on. Should have had another one down inside the five, except his, uh, his cover guys didn't really help him out there. Slid in the end zone, got a touchback. But, yeah, I just want to shout out to those three guys that had really solid games. It's kind of my game balls, if you will. Cool. We, All uh, right. Sorry, Thorny. I was just thinking about how this has been a tale of two halves for us. We called each other at halftime just seething. And then we called each other after the game, congratulating each other. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. No, I like to leave, read the game day threads afterwards, but in reality, me as a person, like my emotions aren't any better than <laughs> what's going on in there. I just don't put it down on the internet anymore. Exactly. All right. Anything else about Northern Arizona you want to talk about? Nope. Uh, I'm glad to move on from them glad to move on from case cookies and it's just like what you said last week it seems like Choch just checking things off now he's got to win against northern arizona move it on well we are headed to san luis obispo to take on the cal poly mustangs coached by tim walsh who will now forever be famous in r&r cat cast folklore as the man who lost travis lule so thanks tim walsh <laughs> if you listen to our Travis Lula interview, you know exactly what we're talking about. Cal Poly has started off with a 52-34 to victory over San Diego. Then they've had three straight road games where they lost at Weber State. 
They got crushed by Oregon State, and they lost. Oh, no, sorry. They beat Southern Utah last week 24-21. to What are your impressions of Cal Poly? Well, they have played one home game in four weeks, and so I think they're going to be biting at the opportunity to prove something in front of their fans this week. Yeah, just like Western Illinois. Like, how come we have to play a team at home for their first home game <laughs> in either of the year after X amount of road games or their first one in a while after a few road games? I know. that's That could aid to a slow start for us, too, if they come out guns blazing and we don't. Ah, it's going to be a frustration city all over again, right? Could be. Did you know who Tim Walsh uh, was a coach for before Cal Poly? Was it Portland State? little trivia question yeah portland state from 1993 to 2006 yeah that guy's been in the big sky conference a long time yeah he's second in all-time victories right now in the big sky conference yeah with 72 who's first like jerome sowers yeah it has to be sowers right (laughs) because he played or he coached forever yeah he's been with Polly for 10 years he has a record of 56 and 58 so he's about 500 I mean, it's a triple option, right? I mean, Joe Pro throw is not there anymore, but they got a bruiser um, in this new sophomore. I'm not going to say his first name right. Dewey Tran Sampson. He's a sophomore, six <laughs> two. Uh, you, you're I'm glad, glad, I glad took, you tackled yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> two fifteen. <laughs> uh, he's a guy that they're going to run their offense through. Um, they have a freshman quarterback, Kitu Humphrey. Excuse me. No, that was the wrong guy. Uh, Jalen. Jalen Hamler. Jalen Hamler. Yeah, that's the guy. He's a 6'1", 195. He's had some good stats. I and mean, surprisingly, I've seen more passing stats from them. I know they got a pretty good receiver, J.J. Koski, who was a third-team All-American last year, and he's their punt returner t- as well. They do have a threat on the outside, and it sounds like they are more, you know, their passing game is a bigger part of their, their game plan this year. It has been, yeah. They came out and they've been throwing the ball pretty well. Jalen Hamler is actually number one in the conference in pass efficiency with a two oh nine rating, which is crazy talk. Twenty he's only twenty six of thirty nine all year for one interception <laughs> and four touchdowns, so it's not too hard to have well, maybe it is hard to have good stats if you don't don't throw it very much as we're finding out. He's also a number eight in rushing yards per game with sixty point two and five touchdowns. So he's accounted for nine total touchdowns, either through the air or rushing the ball. So it's pretty prolific. He's kind of like everything goes through him, just like the all the quarterbacks in the previous Cal Poly era. And then the other, we, you had talked about J.J. Koski. He's a big play guy himself, but kind of that same thing. He doesn't have a lot of stats, but his stats are kind of eye-popping. He's averaging 22 yards a catch, which is crazy. He's averaging 93.5 yards a game. He's got 17 receptions for 374 yards and two touchdowns. So when he catches the ball, it's because the defense is biting on the triple option and he's got a one-on-one somewhere. Yeah. In 2018, did you know that they were number one in time of possession in the FCS? I did not, but it's not surprising. Triple option team kind of predicates it on time of possession. Yeah. They were number four in rushing offense and they were number five in third down convert. And it kind of just, I mean, it brings up these memories we had of last year. Uh, we had the game in hand, and then they just keep coming at you. They just keep coming at you. And remember, fourth quarter, we almost lost it. If there was about another five minutes in with that game, I think they would have won. So they're going to definitely take their shots at us, and they're going to wear us out. But I think this team, this Bobcat team that we're watching now, has a little bit more toughness to them. They have a little bit more belief. And it's like, go back to my intro, they have this newfound perseverance. And then when I'm looking at their schedule, Thorny, I think the Weaver game that they lost, 41-24, is going to be somewhat kind of like what we're going to see on this on this Saturday. I think Weaver's a little bit like us, which they have a strong defense, maybe not the most prolific offense. And so I think that's something that we can maybe, you know, liken ourselves to. Yeah, Weaver State's kind of like the extremes of the Bobcats, right? Like their defense is even better than ours, and their offense is even worse <laughs> than ours. That I don't, yeah. Our offense is scoring 40 points a game, so it's kind of, it's easy to say that we're not great, but their passing game could arguably be even worse than ours. There are some matchup things here that I do like. I will go back to what you were talking about, how their time of possession is so crucial and their third down conversions are so crucial. Mm-hmm. Jeff Choate was talking about 
like just like Texas Tech, like you got a a team like that who has some sort of system that's predicated on getting what they need in increments here and there. You got to knock them off their rhythm. You got to knock them off their pace. If Kyle Pauly gets to third and two, they're getting third and two every time. You got to stop them on first and second down, third and long, and force them to throw the ball or do something they're not as adept at doing. No, for sure. But they are. Um, I wonder what kind of defense we're going to play. I think it's just going to be a carbon copy. Do you think it's going to be a carbon copy of what we played last year? Yeah, I would. I would assume so because we did pretty good last year until that fourth quarter. <laughs> Hopefully, our conditioning is better, as Cho has been talking about our conditioning offensively. Defensively, let's hope our conditioning is better as well because we can't get. Otherwise, Cal Poly will do to us what we do to have done to other teams this year. Just wear us out and eventually just have huge holes for their bruising backs to run through. That's true. How do you think the Bobcats win on Saturday? Running the ball. I mean, it's it's as simple as that, but this this is where I'm talking about. Like, all right, so Cal Poly is 10th in the conference in rushing defense. That does not bode well for them, and they're also number 12 in total defense. Like, they just they ha- they have some glaring weaknesses on defense. I think we can really exploit it. They also have our dead last in sacks, and we are obviously number one in sacks against. So if there's a game for Rovid to get going, he should have some pass protection and some time to throw the ball. So I just I like a lot of the matchups here. I don't like triple option teams because they are hard defensively to guard. They will limit our opportunities on offense, so you have to be more efficient because they they're not number one this year, but they're still tied for 24th in the country in time possession. They control the ball for 42 minutes a game. So can we get as many body blows in if we're running less snaps on offense? That's going to be something to keep an eye on. But I just think it's all going to go through just running the ball. I don't think we necessarily need Isaiah Fonze or Troy Anderson really to play in this game to get a victory. There are some things that work against us, like you're talking about. First home game since week one, and we just never seem to play real well in Cal Poly on the road in California. And and that's another this will be this could be our toughest road test so far. I think it'll be it's gonna be tougher than Western Illinois in some ways. I would disagree with you on that. I think Western Illinois proved to be a challenge in itself, just a unique situation. Choate's never been to Cal Poly. He doesn't have the memories that Ash or Kramer did. I think it's gonna be a new day for the Bobcats. Well I hope you're right there. Because they do have some playmakers on defense, too. Do you, uh, the guy I wrote down on defense, Matt Shotwell. That last name ring a bell to you? Shotwell? Shotwell. Matt no. Shotwell. No, it doesn't. Really? So in 2006, Kyle Shotwell, his older brother, won the Buck Buchanan Award at Cal Poly. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he ended up playing for, like, the Browns. He, played, he had a little NFL career, too. So Kyle Shotwell, his younger brother, Matt Shotwell, six foot two thirty junior, is number nine in tackles in the game in the conference. At 8.5 tackles a game. So he's the fourth shot well to play at Cal Poly. I saw that. That's a funny stat. Like, that's just, it's cool. Like, it's it's cool, like, family heritage. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. And then the other guy would be Kevin Howell, 5'10", 200-pound junior, who's got two pass breakups, interception, and 17 tackles. He is a transfer from Nevada a couple years ago. He's their playmaker. He's their best corner. He's pretty good at tackling. The guy will tackle for loss, so they, they use him a lot in the run defense so i think those two guys would be guys who can potentially spoil our running game but if they do it's not going to be for four quarters as we're finding out because nobody pushes the bobcats around for four quarters right (laughs) just a couple just a couple (laughs) you know one thing i really hope the bobcats do is not waste the opportunity to let rovig get some more practice yeah you know, I, I, the one thing I don't want to see is them handing the ball off 40, 50 times in the game. And that, and that's probably what's going to happen. But I think there needs to be a more balanced attack at this game for multiple reasons. But the main reason would be for Rovic to gain some confidence, you know, and to keep that time of possession on our side as well. So how can we – I don't think we're going to win the time of possession. However, I think we need to keep it close. So let's come out with a balanced attack. Let's let Rovig com- have some completions. And Thorny, for Pete's sake, can we just complete a pass over the middle? 
maybe five, ten yards? Can we have a drag route over the middle? Something. <laughs> like, when was the last time we've done that? Well, we tried a couple times, I remember, but Bauman just couldn't hit the guy in stride. He couldn't Ugh. even he got to a catchable ball. We did try some drag routes and some cr- crossing routes, and they just don't – we just can't complete mm, them. Gosh, yeah, I know. So that's what I'm looking for. Keys to victory, bounce offense attacked by the Cats. We can win this game with simply our running game. That I do believe, but I'd like to see us have a bounce off it. I would like to see it. I don't know if that's going to happen. We might try and balance for a quarter, but if it goes south again, we're going to go straight back to running the ball for three straight quarters. Yeah, I, know. I think you're right there. But it, like you said, it is a good opportunity uh, for Rovig to possibly get some momentum going, even if they, like like I was saying earlier, they don't have to have them complete. 15 passes a game, but he's got to complete 10, 12 important passes in a game. He's got to start get just getting reps to do that. And Cal Poly, really bad at sacking quarterbacks, so if you're going to get a, an opportunity to have a guy sit back there and get comfortable in the pocket, this game to do it because we're going to need it moving forward. If Rovic could complete maybe um, two to three third down completions where we're, say, three third and five, third and six, third and seven, third and eight, somewhere in that, that'd be a step forward. He did have that one either in the third or fourth quarter where he made a nice third down. I think it was third down, but a nice pass to the sideline for a completion. So he has it in him. I know that both these guys have it in him. I, just, it's, I don't know what it is that they just aren't doing it, but he has it in him, and this is a good way to get back on track and because we're not going to need a whole lot out of them this year, but we need more out of the quarterbacks than we currently have. Circling back to that, it just keeps coming back to that. That's just the theme right now. Yeah, it has been for a year and a half, man. (laughs) It has been since Jeff Choate was hired. (laughs) All right. Not to get too dramatic, but yes, it's since Jeff Choate was hired. (laughs) So any parting thoughts on Cal Poly? Nope. I think the Cats go down there. Um, Not too hard to predict that we struggle for a quarter or two, and then end up winning the game by a couple scores. Okay. Yeah, every time Cal Poly comes on the, the schedule, I just like I just want to get past them. I, I never look forward to Cal Poly. I'm always happy when it's done. <laughs> no, we definitely ad- I identif- I, I identified this one as the trap game from our last episode or two episodes ago where Chris Hammond asked us the golden koozie question. So it certainly is a game that could have problems, but I, I still think just the Cats rolling offensively right now, at least in the running game, and that's going to be enough to be Cal Poly. I agree with that. Okay. You ready to move on to our special segment? Let's do it. Let's revisit our bold predictions from last week. Thorny, you said Cookus was going to pass for 225 or less. You slightly missed that on, yeah, 273 yards. Yeah, not too far off in his lowest output of the season, so missed my bold prediction, but I'm happy to miss it because it still means we held him in check and won the game. Absolutely. That was good. Mine was we would have a pick six. Unfortunately, we did not. Troy Anderson, you know, hit one right in the hands. I'd, he might have had a knee down at that point when he was, when he that play happened. It was a weird thing, and so that that was the closest thing we had to even uh, interception on Saturday. Yep, not too close. Well, I take that back. Uh, the closest we had was Amandre Williams. He was chugging down the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> he did not look complete of feet going down. Yeah, I see why he hasn't really been on. Quarterback or running back, like some projected at the beginning of the year, he didn't look real <laughs> fleet of foot there. <laughs> we still love him. <laughs> Not with the ball in his hand. Looks fast coming around the edge, but uh, running the ball, nope. That was pretty good play, though. That was as close as we got to sacking Case Cookus, and then we got uh, the hurry up and got the interception at the same time. That was off the play. We could use more of those. All right, let's move on to our new bold predictions. What do you got, Thorny? My bold prediction is that. Well, let's go ahead and put some confidence in Tucker Rove. He's, he's going to throw for 175. Ooh, dang, I like that. Not super bold, but pretty bold. On like four completions, like 150 of that's going to come on four completions. <laughs> I want Rovig to be it so bad. I'm not going to, and we're not going to expound on this, but I, I'm really rooting for that guy. So let's go Rovig. Um, my bold prediction, and I have hesitancy because this is a negative bold prediction. But I'm going with it. It's the Cats will struggle in the first half again. 
And I know you said it's not getting that's like Diet Pepsi type bold prediction, but I don't care, man. I think that's my bold prediction. We're going to struggle in the first. All right. I still disagree, but it's your segment, I guess. So carry on. (laughs) I'll do better next week. I promise I'll do better next week. How about that? There's a bold prediction. (laughs) Hey, oh. All right, man. Let's get into some buy or sell. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll talk about our golden koozie question. And then uh, we'll get out of here. All right. All right. I'm ready. Thorny, you're on the hot seat. By yourself, the Cats will ha- will be a fourth quarter team before the end of the year. By, I had to really think about that one. I think, I think by, yeah, I think they'll get there. Okay. Second question. By yourself, Thorny, Cats have met or exceeded your expectation for the first third of the season. I would say bye. Like overall, I'm pleased. Maybe not exactly how I hoped it would go, but four and one, number six in the country. Can't get better than that, really. Well, that's good perspective right there. I hadn't thought about that. All right. Third question. Thorny, Padmos is the single most important player the Cats have. Oh, man. Uh, single most important. I will buy that because he can single-handedly win games as a punter which is crazy talk but he can do it and he has done it so yes i will buy it okay and i have a fourth question for you buy yourself thorny last question cats are in quote significant in quote trouble at qb sell not significant we'll revisit that after cal poly but (laughs) not quite significant yet okay thorny nice job man you're off the off the hot seat fully by sell. the cats will be a four-quarter team before the end of the year i believe they will uh, i think they're going to get there before uc davis is i think the, the schedule in between there is going to set up nice for us to really fix that problem and chote had mentioned it in the presser today and i'll tell you what everything he's mentioned in the presser they have fixed so last week they were talking about the zone defense. They fixed the zone defense. And now this has their full attention. I think this is going to – so I'm going to buy that. All right, buy or sell. The Cats have met or exceeded your expectation for the first third of the season. I'm going to buy that with a caveat is I think they would have done it differently. I thought we were going to have more of a balanced offensive attack with our quarterback. Or the quarterback with the change in the middle has just been a little bit weird. but. You know, being number six in the nation, being four and one, I would have to buy that regardless. Buy or sell, Padmos is the single most important player that Cats have. You have to buy that. We don't think about Padmos that often, but that guy on Saturday just was nails. And if we would have had better coverage down there, he would have even been more nails. So I, that guy is just, he won the Cat Grace for us, in my estimation. He's just been an amazing asset for us. And the last one, by ourselves, the Cats are in significant trouble at QB. I'm going to sell that. I don't think we are in significant trouble at QB. I think we are in trouble at QB right now, but that has to be determined. Like you said, there needs to be a larger larger time for us to see that. Well, we're just carbon copies of each other, aren't we? I guess so. I'm going to try to do better writing these questions so we maybe have some difference. <laughs> And opinions. <laughs> I could always choose how I talk after you. How about this, Thorny? Yep. Next week, you come up with the buy or sell. Okay. I can do that. Change it up. All right. Um, it's time for the golden koozie question. Woo! You ready for that one? Oh, yeah. All right. Golden koozie comes from our friend All Cat on Bobcat Nation. He said, SEMO is ranked 23rd. How tough are the teams we've played so far, and when do we hit the real test? Well, honestly, I think the real test started at Northern Arizona because just conference is the real test, right? It doesn't matter necessarily which conference team you're playing. The big sky is crazy, and anybody can always upset anybody. So I think we kind of have hit the real test. Uh, Cal Poly on the road will be another real test, but the first, I guess the hardest opponent we'll see, in my estimation, will be Sac State be the next one that is really team that we might not be immediately favored heavily against although it is at home but when i'm looking at the the teams we've beaten so far 
Uh, I went to look at the Sagarin ratings. Texas Tech is number 53. Uh, we didn't beat them, obviously, but they're the <laughs> highest-ranked team we've played. But SEMO is 158. Western Illinois is 187. Norfolk is 233, and NAU is 162. Not exactly a incredibly hard schedule at this point, but we kind of knew that going into the year. SEMO being our best win, but we still know what SEMO is all about either. So kind of hard to say, really, but so far... I don't think any of those teams have a winning record, so I can't say that our our resume is super impressive at this point. That's I'll just leave it at that. Not super impressive yet, but some of those teams have an opportunity to finish strong, including SEMO and NAU. I still think could have good records, and SEMO may end up being a playoff team. Yeah, I don't think SEMO is going to be a playoff team this year. It depends on what they do in the latter half. But you you mentioned the Saragin rankings. What what is the Bobcats at right now? We're at 124. Okay. So it says, how tough are the teams we've played? Eh, you just kind of covered that. And when do we hit the real test? I think for us, the real test comes when we hit UC Davis and Montana in the last two weeks of our regular conference schedule. I know, like, I think you said the the correct answer, Thorny, when you said, okay, it's when the Big Sky Conference hits. And, And that might come... I mean, we might start drinking our own Kool-Aid here. Like, let's say we blow out Cal Poly and we start thinking we're pretty good. We might drink our own Kool-Aid and then really get hit with a loss or like kind of like a trap game kind of thing. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. But I think the real test comes when when we travel to UC Davis. You might be right on that. I was just curious. I was while you were talking there, I looked it up. Sacramento State is 138. Currently... They will be our biggest test to date, I believe. All right. All cat, cat, thank you for sending in that question, man. So you were like literally were the only person sending the golden koozie question. So tomorrow that means I go over to the post office and send you a golden koozie that you can rest your beer in and enjoy on the game day. So congratulations to you, dude. Congratulations. Woo! Send... Send us a private message, all cat, with your, uh, with your information, and then I'll send that out, and we'll probably reach out to you. There you go. Sounds good. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I think we'll wrap this up here. As always, give us a like or whatever. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Give us a follow. Uh, I will be at this point. You will have have recorded. <laughs> the Big Sky Big Takes episode, which I'm recording with the Big Sky Podcast Net- Network on Tuesday, and this is released on Wednesday. Um, I think that one usually comes out on Thursday. So, point is, on Thursday I will be <laughs> on uh, release the Big Sky Big Takes podcast. So that'll be fun to listen to that. Uh, other net, thanks everyone again for listening, and go Cats, go Cats. <laughs>